That's certainly something that I'm really, really keen to eliminate from the narrative about numbers, that they're scary, that they're complex and that not anyone can understand them. I do genuinely believe that anyone can as long as they're passionate enough. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. My name is Enrico Bertini and I am a professor at NYU in New York City, where I teach and do research in data visualization. Yeah, and I'm Moritz Stefana and I'm an independent designer of data visualizations. In fact, I work as a self-employed truth and beauty operator uh, out of my office here in the countryside in the north of Germany. Yes, and on this podcast, we talk about data visualization, analysis, and more generally, the role data plays in our lives. And usually we do that together with a guest we invite on the show. Today we actually have two guests, but before we start, <laughs> just a quick note, our podcast is listener-supported, and so there are no ads. Um, that also means if you do enjoy the show, please consider supporting us. You can do this with either recurring payments on patreon.com slash datastories, or you can also send us a one-time donation on paypal.me slash datastories. If you don't have any money to spare, you can also just help us with promoting the show. Give us a rating on iTunes or send out a nice tweet. That's just as good or sometimes even better than, than a money donation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just want to thank all those of you who are already supporting us. Thank you very much. This show is going on thanks to your donations. <laughs> totally agree. So let's get started with the topic of today. So today, as Moritz said, we have not one, but two guests. And we are talking about a very interesting new data visualization or data analysis and communication series from Financial Times, and it's called Data Crunch, and uh, it's a very, very interesting series. We're going to talk about it in a moment, and to talk about it, we have Federica Coco and John Bird Marduk. Welcome, Federica and John, on the show. Hello. Thanks, hey, for, thanks having for having us. us. So we typically start the show with uh, our guests introducing themselves. So can you briefly give us a little bit of a background, what are your interests, and maybe even your current position at Financial Times? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm John, and I'm a senior data journalist at the FT. So I work as part of a part of a big team, um, including uh, data journalist, statistics journalist, graphics, um, interactive, all of all of these kind of things. Developers, analysts, designers, reporters, um, and yeah. So Crunched is one of the one of the things I'm involved in at the moment, as well as just doing lots of data driven reporting and stories and graphics. Uh, and my name is Federica. I'm a statistics journalist. Um, I started working at the FT three and a half years ago. I started out um, my career as a fact checker. Then I became a reporter. I worked for the Daily Mirror and the Times. And over time, I just uh, got a bit frustrated with how, after working as a fact checker, how um, news organizations treated numbers and statistics. And I felt like they weren't taking them that seriously. Um, and so when I joined the FT, um, I just felt like I found the right place for me and and here I get to geek out as much as possible on statistics. <laughs> nice. Very good. Yeah, and you have a lot of like great data journalism coming out of uh, FT. And the one format that caught our eye that we want to, or ear and as well, <laughs> that we want to talk about today is, <laughs> is the Crunch series. So can you tell us a bit about what that is and, and how you came up with the idea and, and how it works? 
Uh, so Crunched is a series of short videos where we address topics that um, are uh, newsworthy. Uh, we try to explain, or so, uh, explain them so they're in sort of an, an explainer format. Um, and we also fact check maybe controversial sides of them. So for example, we've done videos on, uh, on abortion, um, on inequality, on poverty, um, just addressing you know, the issues behind statistics, how you define the numbers, and helping readers to uh, understand how the fact-checking pro process mm -hmm. works. Um, but because quite often when people hear about charts and numbers, um, you know, the general population is maybe sometimes a bit scared of them. Uh, so we try and make it fun and engaging and very colloquial and conversational. Uh, we quite often use props. We've done data vis visualizations with Haribos or a cork <laughs> globe or these number blocks that I used to use in elementary school in Italy. Um, So we try to be creative with it. Yeah, I mean, I th well, I think this sort of blends in with one of the other questions we were going to discuss here as well about the, the impetus behind the series. And, and I think one thing we should mention here as well, this, this is very much a collaboration between us on the data team and the video team itself. So Juliette Riddell um, on, our, on the FT's video team was one of the, well, she was probably the initial spark actually who, who suggested that Federica and, I, Federica and I work on something like this. Um, And each of these episodes involves three or four people from the video team, of course, doing all the, the direction and, and recording as well. Um, I think then, yeah, in terms of sort of other other sort of reasons for doing this, we're both, as well, along with a lot of people at the FT, big fans of the way that people like Hans Rosling have done data visualization in the past in terms of really thinking about it as fundamentally trying to, you know, reach and engage with people rather than just rather than this, this sort of like publication on one side, reader on the other side and nothing in between. So really trying to think about how to actually bring people in, make this stuff more accessible, start conversations, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so yeah. Mona Shalabi from The Guardian is another right, big right. inspiration sure. of ours as somebody who can communicate numbers mm -hmm. in a really fun and engaging mm -hmm. way. Yeah, and again, I think Mona was a big inspiration in particular for our decision to try and draw these charts by hand rather than just presenting sort of pre-prepared, um, you know, digitally designed and, and printed yeah, printed yeah, charts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and another another um, reason for us starting this series is that um, the FT is trying to attract um, younger audiences. Um, and so, uh, for example, there was a focus group um, years ago that asked readers um, how they pictured uh, the FT, if, if, if the FT were, if the Financial Times were to be a human being. And a lot of readers particularly, or a lot of people in this focus group, particularly women, said they imagined a man in a suit that had their back turned to them. And so we're really, there's a lot of efforts to try and, uh, and redesign right, that right. image, rebrand, right. um, because a lot of people who work at the FT are like us. They're very young, they're very geeky, very enthusiastic. Uh, we have a lot of fun together in the office. And so we were trying to, to show that as well. And to do that, I mean, John and I work on stories um, that range from politics to markets to corporate news stories um, and the, these things to, to, as I said to the general population they might be very dry but they can be really really interesting once you get into it yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, certainly, certainly for my part of trying to change that stereotype, I've not been wearing a suit in any of these videos <laughs> yet. So <laughs> trying try to make that yeah. clear. But, but again, I think my, 
my way of thinking about this is I, I want us, I, and I, you know, we're all on the same page with this. We want to produce something which if, if someone stumbles across uh, upon one of these videos on YouTube, you know, they weren't looking for it. They just get recommended it next. We want to produce something where they, they sit there and they, and they give us, give us a chance. They don't immediately think, oh, what's this boring old financial FT thing? Yeah. They actually think, oh, what's this? Let's have a look. So we're just trying to make something which feels a bit more native to that younger generation. Yeah. Yeah, I think what what really surprised me, I think it's interesting that you've been mentioning a number of uh, people whose work influenced your work, but I still see a couple of really interesting innovations in the way you 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 create these videos. So the first one that the first one that caught my eye my eyes is this idea that you're actually drawing in real time the the actual graphs, right? Mm. I've never seen anybody <laughs> do that. I think it's really, really interesting, right? And by the way, one question I have for you later on is how do you do that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what really works what works really, really well is that you have two people on the screen and it's a very nice and casual uh, conversation, but it's not trivial at the same time, right? So I, I see these two elements as uh, very innovative. I, I like it a lot. I guess it's a bit like the conversations that we might have at a, at a pub. Generally, that's the exactly. sort of impetus. I mean, when yes. you become a journalist, the first thing that they tell you is, this is how you decide if a story is good and how you communicate it. Imagine you're at the pub with mm -hmm. your grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Or imagine you are talking to your aunt and she's driving away. What's the first thing that you tell her just before she drives away? So we thought about that and we thought about the, our conversations at the pub and they, they're sort of very faithfully yeah. reflect. Like yeah. that quite often, you know, we'll have debates about politics. Um, so, uh, in uh, by turning them into videos and uh, thinking about our audience and people who might want to listen to us, there's also that extra element of having people uh, commenting on the videos and us being able to interact them. And if they have any questions on the data, then we can answer them. So there's an extra interactive mm -hmm. element. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's you know it's it, it's perhaps not surprising that. As journalists, a lot of our ways of thinking about things involve the pub. Um, but, <laughs> but it is it is remarkable how you know it's the same thing when when we've covered elections in the past. I'm, I'll always be thinking, okay, what are the half dozen things here that would be a great talking point when you're with your mates in, in the pub mm -hmm. in the bar? Because it's you know it's that idea that it, first of all, I think when you think about it in that context, you're immediately thinking about making something fun, interesting, engaging. You know, no one wants to be the person who says, oh, what about such and such? And everyone just turns the other way and switches mm -hmm. off. So when you imagine someone sitting across from you, I think I think it really helps. And then, yeah, you, all, you also want to make it, like we say, not, not lighthearted in terms of not taking the issue seriously, but just a bit more engaging so that someone feels that this is a conversation they can almost be part of rather than them just being talked mm -hmm. at. And as you said, without being condescending, I mean, a big inspiration for me was um, I worked for a couple of years at a tabloid and tabloids get really bad raps, but actually they're incredibly good at communicating mm. new stories to sort mm -hmm. of anyone. Yeah. And that was really, really important for my formation as a journalist to work there and to know how to, how to write something, uh, to make it simple without being condescending, without being haughty, without thinking that I'm better than mm. anyone else for understanding something. Thing. That's certainly something that I'm really, really keen to eliminate from not that you know, not that it's a problem in data journalism, but just sort of eliminate from the narrative about mm -hmm. numbers that they're scary, that they're complex, and that not anyone can understand them. I do genuinely believe that anyone can, as long as they're passionate yeah, enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, again, just to add one more thing on that point, that distinction between condescension and and making something more accessible, I think, is really important. I, I know there was a, some conversation between a few data visualization practitioners on Twitter recently where... Uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone was saying that the idea of talking to a broad audience was for them um, essentially code for saying we should dumb mm. something down. But that's absolutely not the way we approach yeah. this. And again, it's not the way a lot of a lot of tabloids approach this. It's about thinking, I want to put something out here, and it's not going to matter whether you are a postgraduate um, or whether you left school at age sixteen. You're going to be able to see what we're talking about and understand it. So I think that's really the aim here. And also this is something that concerns you, which yeah. is something that is very important to our work as journalists. This is, every you know, everyone, uh, news stories about economics, about finance, about markets, um, about economic metrics like poverty and inequality or about abortion, they concern everyone. And so it's, if, if we don't make something understandable, if people turn the other way, it's on us, it's not on them. It's our fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's a great gap you're filling there, and I think you're, you're doing it really well. So, can we learn a bit about uh, the process or what, what's happening behind the scenes? Especially, like, how do you get? You mentioned this sort of easygoing conversation, and you're very like you're a good team, and you know, and like playing the ball <laughs> to each other all the time. Do you prepare? Is it like scripted dialogue? Do you know exactly what you're talking about, or do you just? talking and you keep the best bits or how do you how do you end up with, with, with these episodes i'm curious because i have a podcast to run as well so <laughs> i appreciate yeah, any yeah. help I think <laughs> as you can tell so far like federica and i you know we really just we don't like each other at all we never speak so no it's it's the nice thing is yeah it's uh it is quite natural i think and like he's like we've said like federica said we're trying to just create that natural flows so so you ask about yeah. script and we d we don't tend to write word for word what mm -hmm. we're going to say but we'll it'll be more like bullet points yeah i think the few times that we tried to script it we sounded really yeah, wooden that's hard. yeah and so the juliet was like no don't do that anymore <laughs> exactly it's like you you sound it sounds more artificial and also as soon as you slip up and miss one word it just completely right, throws right. you so we find that it makes a lot more sense to we you know we'll we'll rehearse things again in a sort of rough outline sense so that mm -hmm. we know enough we know a lot about all of the different talking points so that whatever whatever way the conversation goes we can just make that quite right. natural um i think you know the stuff that is does require a bit more training and i think that we're getting better at is just how we actually look on camera so there are, you know a lot of the stuff that i don't think comes across is... sorry i was just thinking <laughs> i always seem to have three chins <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, little things, you know, like angles and where we should be looking right, at different right. times. Some of it is is completely natural and it's exactly what mm -hmm. you'd expect. But there are other bits when we'll have Juliet or one of the other um, videographers saying, oh, can you not look at there when you're <laughs> yeah, saying that? Yeah. Or can you look at each other when you're talking? So, uh, you know, it's becoming more natural. But certainly the first couple of sessions, we had quite a lot of um, backstage directions, right. as it were. And do you mm -hmm. do like a couple of full run-throughs and do a couple of takes of the whole story or do you repeat individual like bits of it or how often do you have to redo like a, a part or the whole thing so it's individual bits we we do the whole thing in okay. one go like in one in mm -hmm. one sitting but it'll be you know but there'll we'll, be breaks right, yeah well there's always a natural sort of chapter style structure to the way, the way we do it there'll be two or three sections and so Typ well, you know, ideally we'd go through each section 
in full and maybe then do each section in full once or twice. But I think, you know, it's it really it d- depends how it goes. I mean, the one we filmed yesterday, for example, I think was our most efficient yet. Mm. And that was, I think that was less than an hour to do the whole thing. Um, it, and it, so, yeah, we just, we go along and if, if everything, if everyone's fine and if no one, um, if no one sees any reason to stop, we'll, we'll crack on and we could do like two, yeah. three minutes with cool. no cut. At other times, someone will say, you know, we'll get to the end and then they'll, they'll think, ah, okay, let's let's just go back and do that bit again. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it can take like four hours to do the whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, certainly, I think we both agree that the first ones we did took way longer than they oh, do yeah. now. Of course. Yeah. So, you, you know, we used to have to book out pretty much like half a day. Sure. Mm. Whereas nowadays we can sort of be like, okay, we're filming at one. So that'll be like two, three hours of rehearse, perform, everything. Yeah. So. Yeah, and yeah. Um, as I said, I'm really curious to hear how the how the hand drawing works, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, how do you? Maybe I, I should I should describe a little better to, for our listeners what you do in case they didn't watch it, right? So, basically, you are hand drawing. Uh, so you are talking about a specific data set and a specific graph, right? But rather than showing this graph. Uh, you draw it in real time in front of the camera, right? So it's uh, mm. uh, it's really interesting. How do you do that? Um, well, so one way is, first of all, we have the charts printed out next to us, so we look at them before we draw uh-huh. them. Um, during, I would say the charts that we the draw, recording. yeah, we'll have it next so that I can okay, look at yeah. it before before yeah. I draw it. Um, especially with the with the line charts showing trends. For me, it's more important to show the trend rather than actually being precise to the decimal point with the number that I'm representing. Um, Also because, you know, that would be too difficult and boring for the readers. But more or less, I'll just, you know, try and replicate the trend, but they're absolutely not precise. Um, So They don't have to be. I I mean, I'm sure you could have guessed (laughs) that. Yeah. Um, uh, So that's with the drawn ones. Uh, The... The number, uh, the number of blocks that I mentioned before, um, they are numbers that, uh, sorry, they're blocks um, that uh, I, they teach uh, numbers uh, to elementary schools, uh, to my, um, sorry, elementary school kids with, and each uh, block represents a number and it goes from one to ten, and they each have a different color, and that's been very good to replicate bar charts without having no, to actually yeah, draw sure. them and mm. make you know really yeah. crappy ones uh, on um on paper um but i don't know if you have anything yeah i mean on... just again i think i think it's it's really interesting that we we talk well federico talked there about how we focus on sort of the trend and the pattern and the message over the precision and you know i i think that's generally how most people consume mm. charts they're not necessarily looking at every every pixel and every decimal right. so even though you know, that was really something we kind of did organically. I think it does speak to how most people, um, you know, engage with engage with graphs. They're looking for an overall pattern rather yeah, than exactly. those, like, yeah. every single little yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so we'll have we'll have the printouts. Um, you know, in some of the earlier episodes, I I I experimented with like drawing in very light pencil a couple of key points that a line had to go yeah. through. But I think you know that wasn't we didn't we ended up feeling that that's not really necessary because you know as long as you get the the general pattern um and you know your the message that you're the message that you're giving out matches the data that you've drawn i think i think that's pretty much fine right i mean um alan smith who is our um 
head of graphics. No, hang on. He has got a new title. What is it? Head, head of, of data visualization. Head of everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, he quite often sketches charts before he um, decides what we're going to do. If we're sort of debating how we show some numbers today, for example, we we're debating how we show um, how we showed sovereign yields for different countries in the last month, the lows, the highs, and the latest number. And he was just sketching it to see yeah, what would look exactly. better. So that's yeah. something that we kind of do commonly but then obviously replicating them on video is something different yeah. I mean I'm slightly more self-conscious about it what's also it. interesting is if you talk while you draw the chart it, yeah. you're sort of in it together and you <laughs> you never miss what the x-axis means or what the y-axis means because exactly. you, you're constructing it to Together, basically, and it's a bit like what oh, teachers do yeah, also on the blackboard, know. right? It's exactly. like I was yeah. reminded of great like math teachers also who can think and, and talk and draw at the same time, and it all goes yeah. together. It becomes this <laughs> performance almost. Uh, it's good to hear that you think that because sometimes I'm concerned that I miss something out or that because obviously when you have when you when you've done a video, say if you realize that you've that you missed something out, that you didn't label something right, properly. Right. Um, it's not like you can go back and correct it. You, you have to, you know, maybe two days later you, you realize it. So quite often I get very self-conscious mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I'm drawing them and, you know, having to describe them at the same time. And then, you know, maybe two nights later at 2 a.m. I'll realize, oh no, I labeled something not in the right way or I didn't answer this question and it will just bother me but um, that's yeah that's good to have the comments for that yeah but even if you make you forget questions. something in the drawing you will have mentioned it properly uh, probably and so I think it's it, it has to go together probably the the video without the, the audio track wouldn't make sense maybe but it, yeah and I think you know as I, everyone who makes data visualization who makes charts we all know that the 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 one the one frustration you you can often have as a as a designer as a creator is that when you make something it's then mm. just out there and people are just going to consume it and interpret it in their own way whereas of course the the great thing with these videos is like you say we're essentially providing the interpretation and explanation as well as right, as the drawing right. so you can really be absolutely sure that people are going to understand the point that mm. we're trying to make and that there's there's no room for sort of ambiguity there. Yeah, yeah. And I think w one thing I really like that is related to that is that since it's two of you that are discussing the charts, what I, what I like in your videos is that um, sometimes you just ask questions or just say, oh, it could be this way or that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of a it's not like I'm giving you the actual final truth. It, you are walking people through a reasoning process. And in a way, I think it, it, it may also teach people um, how it looks like when people are thinking through some topic and associated data. Right. I don't know if that's the way you see it, but that's one way I perceived the. The, the video, right? The idea that you, you start from one question, you show me one one chart, and then you say, oh, but maybe it could be this way or that way. And the next chart is a way to disambiguate that, that question, right? So I don't know if you do that on purpose, but I think it's very powerful. Oh, yeah, it's definitely on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first time that we did the video, um, we did one of the videos, our aim was to, and I think we said this in, in the introduction, I don't know if they kept it, but is to show that anyone can do it and so to like you say replicate our thought process when we're analyzing mm -hmm. the data behind a new story yeah 
Yeah, it's, it's really meant to be quite natural and and the narrative is really meant to follow exactly how anyone would, would be thinking about this if they were approaching it for mm -hmm. the first time. Yeah, but now that you mentioned it, Enrico, I think it's the only really example of a, a dialogue-oriented approach to data visualization, right? Exactly, right? There, that's what I was trying to say at the beginning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we love thinking that we're pioneers. <laughs> so. right. I'm very flattered. <laughs> exactly. I mean, at the beginning, you, you mentioned <laughs> the people who influenced you, but I, I, I can't think of anybody else who did this kind of dialogue visualization mm -hmm. style mm -hmm. of work no I guess not I um I suppose that for me like when I when I used to write fact checks so I would fact check mm -hmm. politicians and it was for an independent organization and they were very um very staunchly independent so because they didn't want to uh, appear like they were favoring a political party over yeah. another we always had to present the two or more interpretations mm -hmm. of something yeah and yeah. then really the ending will always be like and then you can make up your own <laughs> exactly. mind which is yeah. you know what is what happens with numbers they yes they're objective yes they tell the truth but quite often there's so many different ways to interpret mm -hmm. them and different opinions on what they mean uh, that yes it's a fact check or an explainer but in the end it there are so many points of view like i said earlier that there's only so much that we can mm -hmm. do you know it, it's very postmodern in that <laughs> sense <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So another thing I was wondering, I guess, so you've been publishing, what, a total of six or seven videos so far, right? I yeah. suppose that the 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 way you, I mean, the, the method is probably gone, been evolving a little bit over time. I'm, I'm wondering what, if it's been evolving, what, what you have been changing, what you've learned by doing that. I, I think, John, you already mentioned that you, you learned how to, better look at the camera or stuff like that but I was wondering more no, I, that's definitely my problem, <laughs> oh, your problem? Okay. <laughs> it's me so <laughs> he was being very generous okay. I'm the one who doesn't know how to he, the, the um, Richard who films us always says uh, just set your face and then I'll just look like a Picasso uh, portrait <laughs> sigh yeah, we're definitely getting better <laughs> um, yeah things that are changing I mean one one thing that is interesting with this stuff is the is the simple duration of the videos. Mm. So there's a constant debate. Anyone who I think anyone who's been in a newsroom and involved in involved with the video team will will know the familiar debate over oh, how long yeah. a video should yeah. be. We had this me yeah. and Moritz debated about <laughs> we this. Keep uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a common yeah. do you do you get feedback from readers on Yeah, in uh, all directions. Like yeah. some people say it's way too long, way too short, sometimes yeah. too long, sometimes uh, too short. It's yeah. it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I th well I, I think the interesting thing especially when we do stuff like this on YouTube is that YouTube itself will actually make decisions on how to rank videos based on things including right. length, length yeah. and 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 you know and how long people actually stick with them. Mm. Um so you know some of our videos have been more than 10 minutes long which by by certain standards is almost a feature film um, yeah. but <laughs> it's a whole but then season the interesting thing, yeah. well well exactly yeah but then more recently we've got um a woman called alice cantor now who's actually the ft's youtube channel manager uh -huh. which is a, a job that didn't exist a year ago cool. um but she's been doing a lot of um, analytics for us and youtube actually tell her directly that um they're they're actually looking for slightly longer videos now and mm. and the 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 sort of core youtube audience now is people who 
come to the site and just watch mm-hmm. and they're just waiting essentially for the next video mm-hmm. so on the one hand yeah there there's an a there's a pull from that direction for longer videos but we still find as as i think anyone who's produced videos for that kind of audience will have done that only a certain percentage of, of viewers actually watch the whole way through mm-hmm. um I think so the average average duration of people who watch our videos is just over 4 minutes and that's that's considerably higher than the average across all FT videos but again our videos tend to be a bit longer so it's it's really about as with everything I think it's about a balance and we want to make sure that we get enough information in there that someone doesn't feel like we said earlier someone doesn't feel that it's been dumbed down or that we've we've sort of left them hanging but we don't want it to be so long that a couple of minutes in, someone's you know starting to get distracted and and just clicks away. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Certainly, a common thing that happens is that we'll say, "Oh, we'll only do a four-minute video." And next thing you know, it's <laughs> new Netflix series because <laughs> 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 we talked so much. Um, I'm certainly keen for them to be shorter. I think that makes them more digestible. But of course, we have to, you know, it depends on the audience. Maybe if it's a, an FT video that is being shared on Facebook, then it's better if it's just a four or five-minute video. Mm. On on uh, the FT website itself, it'll probably it can probably be a bit longer, maybe six minutes. But um, we've normally ended up making ten minute videos at least. Yeah, um, and and you know we've not we've not seen the final cut of the one we did yesterday yet. But I think we're both confident that's going to be our shortest yet, a new yeah. record. Yeah. But it'll still come in probably around seven or eight, yeah. eight oh, minutes. Yeah. Oh. But Five I mean, minutes. no, I mean, I think. <laughs> The tension starting to form now. I'm, I'm fine with a sort of seven or eight minutes, but Federica less so. But what, I mean, what do you guys think about the length? Yeah, good question. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about it, and I watched the the old series from start to end. <laughs> so I found it engaging every time. So no problem with length. But oh, I think okay, honestly, I, I mean honestly, as long as things are natural and engaging. Um, I think, as you said, it has to come naturally, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, you know, there are other techniques as well. So, so one thing that Alice um, from our YouTube team was was saying yesterday was that one thing we might consider is is more explicitly chapterizing it. Mm-hmm. So, having breaking it down into distinct sections where I say, okay. Now we're going to talk about this, and then now we're going to talk about I that. I like and the way it is, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that we try to introduce and occasionally works, occasionally doesn't, is recap. So, so if the video is very oh. long, then we'll just recap all the points. You at do the have end. a recap at the end, and I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. You have a recap at the we end won't saying, have it next okay, video. so th- that's what we've seen so far, and that's what we think it means, and uh, and it's over. Yeah, I I think the format is great. <laughs> I like it as it is. Oh, great, thank you. Yeah, if, you know, if we can get you guys to just leave a, a lot of comments, <laughs> maybe create some bots for our YouTube, that'd be sure, great. <laughs> sure, sure. But just talking write, about write comments, to line or barberft.com. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but another thing I wanted to ask you: um, Are you planning to evolve also in the kind of material that you're using? So I saw, so for instance, in one of the videos, now you've been using a globe with pins, so which is a little bit mm-hmm. different from only drawing. So are you trying to experiment in this sense as well or or not? Yeah, I mean, I would say that started from the beginning. We tried to use props and anything that we could come up with. Yeah. Just anything, you know, for example, I think it was either the first or second video where we used Haribo's to make visualizations. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we had one where we wanted to use monopoly money, and there was yeah. initially oh, yeah, a big the debate one. about whether this would be in breach of the, the <laughs> copyright. copyright. <laughs> but um, apparently, we were fine. So. Yeah, anything yeah. goes. I mean, if we if we have more ideas on props, I think we'll just go and experiment because sure. we've really been given a sort of blank slate. You know, do whatever you want, make it fun, and mm. then which is a great privilege at the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um So if you know, if we come up with more ideas, definitely. I, one thing that I um, uh, that we have to be wary of is if we're treating uh, sensitive subjects, like for example mm. abortion, or we're You're thinking the one to of doing it. one specifically on crime. Exactly, we yeah. wouldn't use Haribo's mm. for that. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. um, so it just sort of depends on what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that maybe also relates to what you mentioned at the beginning. You, you want to open like new audiences, or maybe project a new image of uh, FT. Uh, what's the feedback so far? And do you get like different feedback on different platforms? I know YouTube commenters can be a specific crowd sometimes. <laughs> so what, what's your experience? <laughs> or do you get different feedback from traditional like on the FT side versus well, yeah, other platforms? Yeah, I think that's, that's the thing. The interesting thing here is that the exact same bit of content, the same video right. is experienced by completely different audiences in different contexts. Yeah. So we've got the videos on FT.com which are seen by our subscribers, which, you know, is the high percentage men, older people who work in finance. Um, and then we've got YouTube where, unfortunately, it's similarly high percentage men, um, but younger people, um, people with different backgrounds who might have a lot less existing knowledge about finance. Right. Um, and then, you know, other social media channels. And and yeah, it's, it's been, there've been sort of different reactions in different places. Generally, the stuff on YouTube, I think, has been quite positive, hasn't it? And we've had we've had a few questions. Yeah, I, th I would say that when we get sort of negative feedback, it's mostly people querying the data, which I'm quite happy with. I mean, I, one of my favorite things is mansplaining data. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if somebody like questions something, oh, you use the mean instead of the median, yeah. pow, I'll go with like, this is the honest thing. <laughs> use column AK, row 24, and you'll see what I've used. I mean, that's my favorite thing so <laughs> that type of feedback i am perfectly like i can be a warrior with that um we haven't got any negative feedback that is like this is this is bad mm -hmm. no, nothing like that's that good. it's and mostly yeah. been positive in cool. that sense yeah and i mean we've there have been some interesting debates like we did an early one about um the sort of trade-off between um big firms who avoid a lot in tax but then are also donating, uh, giving a lot in philanthropy, and we're, we're sort of asking how, what's, what does the balance look like between those two? And, and there were a lot of people who work for um, NGOs and for the likes of the Gates Foundation, who sort of on on Twitter at least were sort of getting involved in that. So mm. I think what we're finding certainly is of those people who watch the videos, there are people are pretty engaged. They're asking questions. They're leaving comments. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been it's been pretty good. And again, the nice thing about doing this stuff on YouTube is, on average, you get a lot more feedback on there than we would if we were just putting stuff only on the FT side. Mm. I think one thing that we'd like to do now is just start promoting it more because we the first. Um, videos that we did were let's say during the spring I think we started in March and then um, that was sort of an experiment so let's let's see how this does let's see what our colleagues think as well what you know the 
editors think if, if they like it. And then we started getting positive feedback from them. And then we sort of went on a summer hiatus because we've been working on other projects as well as, you know, going on holidays and having breaks. Um, so now that we're starting, let's say, the new series two, um, then we're going to start promoting it a bit more and thinking of new ideas and thinking more about how we can develop it. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think really the quality of feedback we're getting is great. It's, we, do, we just want to get this out to more people now. And, yeah. and the weird, the thing with YouTube is a lot of a lot of what happens behind the scenes. It's a complete black box. So yeah. we we don't necessarily know why one video will get X number of views mm. and the other will get sure. only half as many. In in one case, um, we had a a video about abortion, which we learned after the fact. YouTube had decided because this was a sensitive topic, it was not promoting it. So that one got far 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 fewer fewer viewers. Mm-hmm. Than the others, which is a shame because I think we we're sort of addressing things um, in a in a different way from how you would normally talk about abortion in the news media. Um, but you know that's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, it's a topic that maybe the FT doesn't write enough about the legislation on abortion mm-hmm, and right. the consequences of different types of legislation. Yeah. So. Um, it's great to hear that the feedback is good. <laughs> so um, one last question that I have is about, um, I think we normally like to, to end our episodes by asking our guests how people could try to reproduce similar similar projects, right? So I think in this case, it's probably really hard from the, at least from the from the video production side of things, but I can imagine the same format being adopted in many other contexts, right? So, um, I don't know, in a a way, this could be sparking a new genre (laughs) that people may adopt. So I was wondering what you think about it. Um, Well, so it's funny that you mentioned this because we are going to hold a workshop at a conference called and code yeah, in mid September in uh, in London on the on the 18th of September. I don't yeah. know if there are still tickets available, but we're going to be doing a it workshop work- there on, on Yeah, so we're going to we're going to divide there's going to be you know, quite a people, I don't know how many, 20, 30 maybe yeah. works, I think. Mm. And we're going to split them into teams and give them sort of subjects to, you know, fact check. To basically, we're going to give them the tools to create their own crunched video and see what they come up with and then steal all their ideas. <laughs> that's, that's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that, that'll, be, that'll be an interesting experiment to see... Um, how different people would do it. I mean, certainly if it becomes a genre, like you say, I'd be really, really keen to see how people, the, the sort of spin-offs that would emerge from that. That would be really interesting yeah. just because we spent so much time thinking, oh, how could we present this? And, um, you know, a fresh mind maybe would have a completely, you know, fresh take on it and it'd be fascinating to see. Yeah, I think again, you know, educators, it would it would lend itself exactly. very nicely to you know, teachers at all sorts of different age groups. Um, and again, I think we'd both love to see more news organizations and more quote unquote serious people doing these more accessible um, approaches, take, doing, doing videos here, which are again, aimed at anyone. Yeah. Would be great for science communication as well, right? That's I mean, absolutely, absolutely yeah. 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 That's great. That's, that's great with the workshop. We'll try and promote it a bit. Fantastic. 
Okay, well, thanks so much. That's uh, <laughs> we're very excited about this this project. Congratulations and uh, yeah. Oh, thank you so <laughs> much. Thanks very much. That's really kind of you. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. No problem at all. Thank you for having us. And good luck for future future episodes. Thanks very much. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Take care. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. Hey folks, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is now completely crowdfunded. So you can support us by going on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash data stories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. And here's also some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash data stories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash data stories podcast, all in one word. And we also have a Slack channel uh, where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and there is a button at the bottom of the page. And we also have an email newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish an episode, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and look for the link you find at the bottom in the footer. So one last thing we want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or amazing people you want us to invite or even projects you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And don't hesitate to get in touch with us. It's always a great thing for to hear from you. So see you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories.